Hello, and welcome to Northwest Perspective. This is a podcast that seeks to explore how the Bible challenges us in several areas. Identity, community, and our life's mission. Thank you so much for joining. We hope you enjoy. I uh, have been having such a wonderful time going through um, the prophecies of Scripture and doing so in a, in a Christ-centered way. On last Sabbath, we, uh, we talked about um, we talked about some of what Jesus had to share um, about prophecy, and we talked about Jesus being the lead character in Bible prophecy. And uh, this idea that Jesus is the center even of Bible prophecy. Prophecy for prophecy's sake is of no use. Let me say that again. Prophecy just for the sake of prophecy is no use. Knowing what's going to happen in the future is of no use if Jesus is removed from the equation. It is only when Jesus is the main ingredient that any of it makes sense. Hence the title of our message today, Jesus in Prophecy. Um, I want to share with you one principle today and that principle is that Jesus not only knows but Jesus also steps into our drama Jesus does what he knows and he steps into our drama now many of us don't like drama or at least we say we don't <laughs> But Jesus not only knows, he steps into our drama. Our scripture passage was taken from John chapter 5. John chapter 5. Verse 39, if you are familiar with this passage, in the fifth chapter, Jesus heals a man at the pool of Bethesda and <clears throat> tells him to take up his bed and walk. And some folks get angry with him because he's carrying his bed on the Sabbath. And so a, a tremendous controversy begins and Jesus is, he's having an argument with the religious leaders of his day over what the Bible says. You, you cannot detach John 539 from that context. He's arguing with religious leaders over what the Bible or the scriptures say. And of course, there was no Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, um, Acts, Romans, so forth and so on. There was only the 39 books of the Old Testament, Genesis to Malachi at this point. And Jesus says in verse 39, you search the scriptures 
For in them ye think ye have eternal life. And those very same scriptures are a testament or a testimony about me. Isn't that interesting? We can be in the right book, but we can miss the main player in the drama. We can read the story and miss the main character. Jesus says the very book that you are or scrolls that you're burying yourselves in are testifying of me. Verse 40. And yet you will not come to me that you might have life. How could Jesus say that the scriptures testified of him? I want to suggest to you today that there were three types of prophecy. How many types of prophecy? There are three types of prophecy. Now, that was hot last week. It's cool this week. Are y'all still going to fall asleep? Come on, people. I got up early this morning and stayed up late last night, too. Wake up, people. How many types of prophecy are there? Three types of prophecy that Jesus used in order to legitimize or teach that he was legitimately the Messiah. The first type of prophecies are straight line prophecies. What type of prophecies? Straight line prophecies. Very simple. Straight line prophecies predict this will happen when this happens or this will happen in this particular place. That makes sense to you? Straight line. This is going to happen here. This is going to happen at this particular time. Micah chapter 5 verse 2 is an example. Bethlehem was predicted as the place where the Messiah would be born. Straight line prophecy. So Jesus had these type of prophecies that he could go to in scripture to uh, point his, uh, his believers or those who listened to him, his contemporaries, to the reality that he in fact was the Messiah. And he could use prophecy to do this. But what type of prophecy? Straight? I heard three people. Straight line prophecies. The second type of prophecies that Jesus had to use were typological prophecies. What type of prophecies? Typological prophecies. Now, typological prophecies are interesting because in typological prophecies, Jesus, he takes the characters of the Old Testament scriptures and he says that these characters were a type of me. Are you with me? So Adam, the Apostle Paul, says that Adam was a type of Christ. How does Paul say that? Because he says Jesus is the second Adam. Jesus is the progenitor of the human race. He's the true father of the human race, as it were. Not only is Jesus the father of the human race, but Abraham was also a type of the Messiah. Why? Because Jesus is the father of the faithful. It is through Jesus, in a literal sense, that all families of the earth are blessed. Are you with me? You remember the promise in Genesis 12 that was made to Abraham and thee and in thy seed shall all families of the earth be blessed. Well, Jesus was literally the one through whom all the families of the earth would be blessed. So Jesus had straight line prophecy. Jesus had typological prophecy. 
And then Jesus had this third one is, uh, I tried to find a better name for it, but I couldn't. Historical typology. What's the third one? Historical typology. In historical typology, what Jesus does, he not only takes the characters of scripture and says they were a type of me, but he takes the experiences specifically of Israel and says all of Israel's experiences were a type of my experience. Are you with me? No, you ain't with me. One person said amen. All right. So you remember, and I think I've, I've done this before, but I'm si simply trying to state the case. Israel was referred to as God's firstborn, right? Jesus was also referred to as God's first begotten or firstborn. Israel was taken out of Egypt and they were brought into the promised land. You remember Jesus had fled to Egypt. Mary and Joseph had taken him there because of the fear that Herod would try to kill him, which he was in fact doing. So Jesus came also out of Egypt. Israel had to cross over the Jordan River in order to enter into the promised land. Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River after, uh, um, well, let me go backwards a little bit. Israel spent time in the wilderness. Jesus also spent time in the wilderness. Israel was fed and nourished in the wilderness. Jesus was also nourished in the wilderness. How many of you know Jesus was nourished in the wilderness? Did you know that? How many of you believe that? Yes or no? Let me see your hands. Okay, some of you looking cross-eyed like, I don't know if Jesus was. After Jesus was tempted by the devil, when the devil left him, the Bible says angels came and they ministered unto him, right? So Jesus takes the experiences of literal Israel and says they were all a type of my experience. Israel was devastated by her enemies. Likewise, Jesus would be devastated and ultimately crucified by his enemies. So three types of prophecies that Jesus had, straight line prophecies, typological prophecies, and then historical typology. The first one, this will happen when it happens or in this particular place. The second one, the characters of scripture become types of the Messiah. The third one, the experiences of Israel are types of the Messiah's experience. Now, let me step aside for a minute. When I was growing up, we had a pastime. This is, I can't even remember whether my younger siblings were born yet. I don't think they were. But what we would do is uh, on Sunday mornings, if we weren't at Pathfinders or somewhere, or maybe it was closer to the afternoon, like 11 or something like that, WWF wrestling would come on. And we would be there, my older brother and I, and my dad, and we would watch WWF wrestling. Some of his characters were Hulk Hogan, the Iron Sheik, Andre the Giant, Big John Stud. 
the ultimate warrior. But my favorite, my favorite wrestlers were not the individuals, they were the tag teams. They were the what? The tag teams. Hulk and Animal were the road warriors. They were the British bulldogs, right? So let me explain for those of you who didn't grow up watching the WWF, in tag team wrestling, there are two individuals that make up a team. How many individuals? Right. So you got four people in all that are going against one another in this wrestling match. By the way, my heart was broken when I found out it was all staged. I cried. I, I, I could not believe that this wasn't real. Okay, that's another story, but anyway. So you have these two teams of wrestlers and they, they are in a corner. Then they begin, the bell rings, there's a referee running around and whatnot. One of the members of the tag team is in the ring of each of the teams. And they begin to wrestle and they do whatever they do. And you know, when I thought back, I said, man, it, it, it is kind of choreographed because it always comes down to the same experience, right? One of the members is getting beat up so bad and they're just, you know, his, his enemy or his opponent has got his foot and he's just reaching, reaching, trying to do what? He's trying to tag his team member who's full of energy and vitality and strength who wants to jump in the ring and they're just reaching out trying to touch each other. It's the same thing in every match, right? You couldn't tell me that. I was just, oh, oh, is he going to make the tag? Finally, his foot would come loose and he'd jump and make the tag and the other person would just run in and start beating up, beating up the other guy. Tag team wrestling. Well, we knew what was going to happen. And my brother and I would replay it on my parents' bed, jumping up and down and, and doing all sorts of foolishness, trying to imitate what we saw on television. I want to submit to you today that Jesus and humanity were in sort of a tag team wrestling experience. Humanity was in the ring with the devil in Genesis chapter three, and humanity failed and did so miserably. The enemy had the upper hand on humanity, and Jesus knew what was going to happen. He what? He knew what was going to happen. Sometimes there's a picture of God, you know, theologians refer to it as the clockmaker God. He's a God who knows everything. He's all powerful, but he's not involved. He simply creates the clock, winds it, and allows it to go on its own way. I'm suggesting to you today that that is not the God we serve. Jesus was on the ropes, as it were, looking for humanity to simply tag him so that he could not only see and know what was going on, but so that he could become involved with what was going on. How does the Bible put it? Turn with me to Galatians chapter four. Galatians, the fourth chapter. You've probably heard this passage of scripture before, but Galatians chapter 4 says it like this. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. Are you there, beloved? 
If you're there, let me hear you read it. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. All together now, but... Verse 5, keep going. All right, Galatians chapter 4 says, When the fullness of time came, God sent forth his, who? He sent forth his son. Now that's one angle on it. Turn back to the 40th Psalm. The 40th Psalm. Because one could read Galatians chapter 4 and come to the conclusion that there was prophetic time, which there was, and when the time was right, which it was, God simply gave the instruction and things were carried out. But that doesn't tell us what God's heart is. Look at the 40th soul, oh Lord, this is so beautiful. Ah, sometimes you just want to talk about one verse, but everything there is so beautiful. I'll start reading from the 40th Psalm, the first verse. Look, I waited, how? I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. That's what Sister Lawrence was talking about in Sabbath school. Says she loves to sing. I don't know why we haven't had her do special music. But anyway, he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall do what? Trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man that makes the Lord his trust and respects not the proud nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord, my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward, they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. In other words, you can't count the number of God's thoughts towards us. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Verse 6, sacrifice and offering thou did not desire, mine ears hast thou opened, burnt offerings and sin offerings hast thou not required. Verse 7, then said I, Look, that's what low means. Look, I'm coming in the volume of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do thy will. Oh, my God. Yes, your law is within my heart. The Bible tells us that God did not merely know what was going to happen, but the Bible gives us in-depth information into the very mind of Christ in the 40th Psalm. And the Bible tells us that it was Jesus's delight. It was his desire to involve himself in the affairs of the human race. This was not merely a dictated uh, 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 command from the father to the son so that Jesus said, okay, now I've got to go and do it. No, the Bible says that Jesus longingly desired to involve himself in the affairs of the human race. That's why I like to picture it as though Jesus is reaching out on the ropes, as it were, pleading, if you could just tag me, then I'll be able to enter into the match and I can change how things have been going. Jesus not only knows, but Jesus steps into our drama. Now, what we just talked about is good from a prophetic perspective, but now I want us 
to take this principle that Jesus not only knows, but Jesus steps into our drama, and I want, it, I want us to apply it to our lives. Did you hear what I just said, saints? What does that look like when applied to your life and mine? Here's what it looks like, beloved. It looks like a young man or young woman who's, maybe they've grown up in the church. Well, let, let, let's use a real story. I'll throw myself under the bus. A young man who's grown up in the church, youth deacon, youth elder, adventurer, pathfinder, drill team, church basketball league, uh, sings in the choir, all of those things, but who does not have a radical life-changing experience with God. Who in fact thinks to himself, maybe this God thing isn't real. Because I've not experienced the wonder-working power that everybody sings about. Power, power, wonder-working power. I've not experienced that, and I've not experienced victory in my life. And so he begins to drift, drift off, and he begins to become consumed by his sins. Seeing no way out, seeing no way of escape. But Jesus sees. Like the words of the song, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry from the waters. He lifted me, and now safe am I. Jesus sees this young man sinking in a pool of his own filth. And Jesus reaches out, and he doesn't hear the rap music that he's pinning in all of his little notebooks in hopes that he can one day become a famous rap artist. But no, he hears the cry of his heart that is hidden deeply underneath all of the mess that he has involved himself in. He hears the cry of this young man's heart and he steps in to his drama. And he lifts him out of his drama and gives him a fresh experience of victory which he has longed for in his heart but he's never quite been able to have. That's what my story looks like. What about yours? Maybe your story looks like you got pregnant out of wedlock. Maybe your story looks like you decided to marry someone only later to realize that this person loved themselves more than they loved you or God. Maybe your story looks like you decided to chase pleasure instead of God. Even though you were raised with a, a compass that always pointed you back towards God, you decided to go off in your own ways. What does your story look like? It doesn't matter where you are in your story today. 
What we've learned from studying prophecy simply says that Jesus not only knows, but Jesus also steps into our drama. Jesus says, yeah, I know how grimy you are. Yeah, I know the stuff that you've done, the type of stuff that you would be ashamed to even show your face in the house of God if the people of God knew what you had been engaged in. I know all of that, but I'm still willing to step into your drama. In fact, I'm desirous, I'm longing to step into your drama. I want to step in. Why? Because it's only as I step in, in the fullness of time, it's only as I step in, as it is written of me in the volume of the book, it's only as I step in that I can change your life and I can save you from yourself. Jesus. Jesus longs to step into your drama. I got one question for you today. Have you let him step in? Have you allowed Jesus to step into the drama of your life? Have you allowed Jesus to step into your marriage? Have you allowed Jesus to step into your parenting? Have you allowed Jesus to step into the type of neighbor you are? Have you allowed Jesus to step into the type of son or daughter that you are? Have you allowed Jesus to step into the type of grandparent you are? Have you allowed Jesus to step into your stuff? Now, some of you might be sitting there and you're like, okay, yeah, I heard this stuff before. <laughs> Jesus. If Jesus really steps in, and if Jesus really makes a difference, then how come I'm going through what I'm going through today? How come? Let me tell you something. Jesus promises to step into our drama, but he doesn't promise that the drama is going to go the way that you and I want it to go. There are no alternate endings. <laughs> this is the one that Jesus wanted, and this is the one that I want. No, no, no. It's only one ending. And if Jesus steps into the drama, you're allowing him to take control of how things will go in your life. Let me tell you, you may not be having the greatest time in your life right now, but that's all right. I read in my Bible in the 39th chapter of Genesis that even when Joseph, Sister Leah, you mentioned it in Sabbath school, even when Joseph was sold as a slave, Genesis chapter 39 says, but the Lord was with Joseph. Mm -hmm. And even after Joseph had done well in Potiphar's house and he was falsely accused and then thrown into Pharaoh's prison, the Bible comes back again because it seems as though even with Jesus in the drama, it's spinning out of control. But the word of God comes back again when Joseph is thrown into Pharaoh's prison and says, but the Lord was with Joseph. Let me tell you, my brothers and my sisters. It doesn't matter what we're going through and what we're in. When Jesus is with us, it changes everything. You think you feel bad now, but you haven't experienced what you're experiencing without Jesus. You haven't. 
Oh, but I didn't pray for But somebody else prayed for you. I didn't ask Jesus, but your mama prayed and asked Jesus to get in your stuff. Your grandmama prayed and asked Jesus to get in your stuff. Jesus steps into our drama and it doesn't always go the way that we think it should go. But we don't have a clue of what life would be without Jesus being involved. It gets so good as I thought about that thing when Daniel and his three Hebrew friends were thrown, or Daniel's three Hebrew friends, Hanani, Mishael, and Azariah, he wasn't there. But when they were thrown into the fiery furnace, who showed up? But you know the truth is he didn't show up. He merely revealed himself because he was already there. Instead of us asking, oh God, would you please be with me? Why don't we start praying, Lord, show me that you're here. Reveal yourself to me. The word says you would be with me. Lord, reveal yourself to me. If Jesus is willing to step into our drama, just like Jesus stepped into the stream of humanity, if on a personal level, Jesus is willing to step into our drama and literally transform and change everything, you know what that means, my dear friends? It means you and I don't have to be afraid of the future. <laughs> let me show you, let me show you. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Revelation. What book did I say? Revelation. Chapter, uh, let me see, Revelation, let me get there first, help me Lord, all right, let's look in Revelation, Revelation is the last book of the Bible, Revelation, and we will look at Revelation chapter 1. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 1. And in Revelation chapter 1, the Bible says, are you there, beloved? You sure? Revelation chapter 1, verse 11. Saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches, which are in Asia unto Ephesus and unto Smyrna and unto Pergamos and unto Thyatira and unto Sardis and unto Philadelphia and unto Laodicea. Come on, I need you to read verse 12 now. And I, keep going. One more verse, verse 13, and Stop, stop, right there, right there, right there. Did you get that or did you miss it? The Bible pictures Jesus in the book of Revelation in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Quick prophecy reminder. <laughs> candlesticks symbolize the churches. 
revelation before you even, oh, help us, Holy Ghost, before you even run into a beast, a dragon, a false prophet, unclean spirits, demons working miracles, seven last, but before you run into any of that, in the preamble to the book of Revelation, in the introduction, Jesus says, I'm here. I'm with you. We got this. See, what we do is we read the book of Revelation. Ooh, beast and oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, that's crazy. Oh, that's going to be so. Uh, oh, man. You man. You if you're not right, you da 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 this, that and the other. And I guess that has its place. But you miss the message. The book opens and says, this is the revelation of. Y'all didn't even get what I just said, did you? See, earlier I suggested that we need to stop praying that God show up and we need to start praying that he does what? He reveals himself. In the book of Revelation, Jesus is essentially promising you and I, I am going to reveal myself in your drama from this point forward. No need to be afraid. Not only will you have me with you, but you will know that I am with you. How many of you would like that? How many of you want to know? You want to know. You want God to reveal himself in a way that is unmistakable. So that all you can do is say, Lord, I thought I knew, but now I see. Now I see. Jesus wants to step into the drama of your life and mine. He wants to completely change things because Jesus knows, but he also wants to be involved. Here's the thing I love about Jesus. He won't force us. Now let me explain that. Let me explain that. Those who were at prayer meeting a few weeks back, you, you got to bring that what we talked about. And let me explain to those who weren't here. God led the children of Israel. He's leading them out of Egypt. He leads them to the Red Sea, mountains on either side. They feel and, and hear the rumbling of the chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen coming towards them. But it was God who led Israel into that position. So let me go back. God won't force you. But he will lead us into places that are very uncomfortable. He will lead us into some uncomfortable places in our lives so that we will be reminded to look up. See, because in that story, there was a cloud that was above them. Pillar of fire at night and a cloud by day. They got so preoccupied, listen to me, they got so preoccupied with Pharaoh's chariots and the Red Sea that they forgot God was above them. That it was God who had led them to this very place. 
He won't force us, but he'll lead us into some uncomfortable places to remind us, hey, I'm here. Would you like me to reveal myself now? Would you like to stop crying about the rumbling chariot wheels and the splashing spray of the Red Sea? Would you like me to reveal myself? I don't know about you, my dear friends, but I need God to reveal himself. I need that. Some of you are in some tough places today, right now. Some of you can feel the chariot wheels rumbling and the Red Sea in front of you, and you don't know how you're gonna get out of or away from. And you need God to reveal himself. First thing I wanna tell you is, he's with you. I want you to repeat that, say he's with me. Because that's what he promised, he's with you. Second thing I wanna say to you is, ask him to reveal himself to you. Thank you for joining us today on Northwest Perspective. Please like and share.